Are you in the cannabis industry looking for like-minded people that can help you grow your cannabis business? Do you want to get into this space but don't know where to start? If you're a cannapreneur or work in the cannabis industry and are looking to 10x your business growth or even get into the cannabis industry, then the Canna Playbook Incubator is for you. The Incubator is a community of like-minded entrepreneurs like yourself that come from all areas in the industry to learn how to tap into the digital space that's available to fuel your brand and sales growth. To name a few things, you get cannabis data, compliant templates, and most importantly of all, a roadmap to help you increase the equity value of your company off the bat. If you're looking to see how you can grow and get the right advice, check us out and book your free strategy call with one of our Canna operational specialists, absolutely free. They will break down what opportunities exist for your brand, your company, and tap into an awesome blueprint that you'll leave with so you can get started in scaling and leaving your competition in the dust. To learn more, check out www.cannaplaybook.com forward slash connect or check us out in the links below in the show notes. Let's connect and help you own a piece of the market today. What's going on, Canna Playbook Nation? Hope you're doing amazing today from wherever in the world you are tuning in from. As always, we're on a mission to bring you stories of cannapreneurs and the very people that power the cannabis industry. Edibles are a huge part of the cannabis industry and a very popular way for newcomers and veterans to consume their medicine. So back in the day, uh, believe it or not, the edible industry was extremely shady and you wouldn't even know how much medicine you're even consuming. Guys, trust me, I've been there. If you're consuming the wrong dosage, even higher doses than you think you're consuming, it's not a great uh, experience at all. So dosing is super important. So honestly, we've come a long way from those days. And today we're bringing you an amazing brand that is not only focused on providing the right dosage, but is also a health and wellness company as well. If you know edibles, you know they are candy and cookies, pretty much junk food, and it's not exactly a nutritious treat. Honestly, you're eating medicine and sugar, which we all know sugar is pretty much poison. So my next guest today has carved out a niche for herself and her company, her brand, to help people discover cannabis in a nutritious and wholesome way without sugar and additives and also something that is kosher and clean for the religious groups. My next guest today is from a company called Fruit Slabs. They are a California company. Uh, it was actually super fun talking to Roxanne today. And it was definitely an honor to have her on today's episode. So sit back, relax, and let's ease in to today's episode. All right, guys. Today on the Canna Playbook, we have the very talented Roxanne Denon. She's joining us from Long Beach, California. Roxanne is a CEO and co-founder of Fruit Slabs, which is California's preeminent health and wellness cannabis company. Fruit Slabs, it's a natural fruit square. It's created using real fruit ingredients and certified organic non-GMO. And there has never been any sugar added. And this is a naturally vegan product that uh, Roxanne and her team are bringing to the market. Fruit Slabs is actually the only overall certified kosher edible in the California market today, making the product available to those with dietary and religious restrictions. Thank you so much for being here today, Roxanne. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. That was amazing. You can introduce me into every activity of life and just like, <laughs> dude, it's going to be that Absolutely. great. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Just give me a call. Anytime. So, yeah. so, so Roxanne, you, got, you guys have an amazing company. I know the edible market uh, is a extremely growing market for first time people trying to consume cannabis and uh, just the way people are consuming cannabis these days. I know uh, 
as a, as a consumer, this industry has been very tricky. So uh, tell me, you know, a little bit about your story. We're going to dive into that, but what kind of attracted you to the edible space specifically? Sure. So I have been a big fan of cannabis for many years. I got into it late in my teenage years. And when I got into college, I really started using it as, um, as a medicine. I had my second knee surgery. I had really bad issues with anxiety. And for pain and anxiety management, I found that it was just like kind of a one-stop shop. And I fell in love with the plant. I fell in love with everything regarding the plant and how natural it was and how easy it was to consume and um, how many different ways there there was to consume it too. So in college, I kind of became like known for my edibles. And I always say this, but I really apologize to anybody who had my edibles in college because it was many years ago and it was way before we knew anything about dosing or things like that. And we were in college, so we were just trying to get the most for, you know, the biggest bang for our little, little buck. Um, right. So I really started making edibles back in, back in school and everybody loved them and I would make batches of cupcakes and brownies for people and kind of had that as a little bit of a side hustle. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was just something that, I don't know, it was like a natural attraction to it. And then as I got older and you know learned more about the plant and learned more about myself and grew as a person, I am very dedicated to my diet and I've been a vegetarian for almost 14 years. Um, I've been eating vegan on and off for like the last five years. I just really struggle. I have a very deep love for pizza and I can't really quit her. So, but I am very, very focused on my health and my wellness. And so that's kind of how Fruit Slabs came about is that I love, I've always loved the edible space. I've always loved the cannabis space. I knew I wanted to get into cannabis eventually um, at some point in my professional career. And five years ago when we launched Fruit Slabs, um, we, when I, when I met my co-founder, we met at a music festival and we kind of bonded over love of music and traveling and adventuring in life, whether it's, you know, surfing, snowboarding, music festivals, hiking, things like that. And we wanted to have a way that we could take cannabis with us in an edible form. So that was really right. like, you know, the birth of it. But yeah, it's, it, we, it, it just kind of spawned naturally for us to develop into this space. And it also back five years ago was before anything was really becoming branded. And it was really at that point too early for flower companies to becoming branded. And I knew that I wanted to enter the space with a brand and not just like a flower or something that you really couldn't build out to be a product that you would find in a mainstream market. Got you. Got you. So have you always been entrepreneurial or were you studying kind of, were you studying to be a chef? Everybody kind of comes from a different industry in the cannabis space or have, yeah. you, know, have you always been in the cannabis space or do you come from a different industry? I come from a different industry. I am definitely not a chef. I do think I tear it up quite regularly in the kitchen, <laughs> but I will hesitate to say I'm anything close to a chef because I have no professional training. My background, uh, my education is actually in political science, which has nothing to do with cannabis branding, but I did the majority of my research in undergraduate school um, on the reformation of cannabis laws. So it was always kind of incorporated in. Um, but I started working for Red Bull when I was young, when I was like 18, right. 18 in college. And my background naturally just kind of developed into hardcore sales and marketing via the like Red Bull institution. Um, mm. So that's really where it comes from. And especially developed in like the branding side. Red Bull, when I was working for them, they had only been in the US for like 
10-ish years. Um, and it was really early on in their disruptive marketing, uh, their marketing platform. Right. And it started as one of the girls in college that would throw out cans of Red Bull from the car. And they really taught me how to develop a brand, be disruptive, um, and how to do things differently. And it was just kind of an area that I dove into and almost got like, not addicted to, but just like really oh, like. Oh, it is addicting. It, it, I mean, it's so interesting to get into like human psychology when it comes to yeah. marketing and tapping into the market uh, what makes people tick, right? And uh, yeah. I mean, I think, we, I think we've all seen, and anyone listening to this, uh, our listeners, we've all seen that Red Bull uh, truck with the big, you know, can throwing out, even Monster did this, the same strategy. So would you say that's a major strategy if you're building a, you know, an edible or, uh, you know, a consumable brand. Right. In terms of marketing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is because you want to create something when you're creating any type of brand, but especially like a consumable or a wearable. Um, I spent a few years in fashion too. When you're okay. creating something where it's like people are using it every single day of their life or they're using it, maybe not every day of their life, but they're using it in various instances, whether it's celebratory or it's medicinal or it's socially, um, you kind of become a brand loyalist without even mm. realizing it. But it's, it's just natural in our human nature that we find something that we like and you- right buy it again because you like it, right? And then your right. friend introduces you to a new thing that they like, and maybe you like that thing, so you start buying both of those things. But that's just kind of like, again, the psychology, the human nature that happens yep. in it. So I, I'm really fascinated by how people become brand loyalists. And it was really interesting, the psychology that Red Bull puts behind creating brand loyalists in a lot of like celebratory moments. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, and like that also goes dives into like, if you look at um, their athletic platform, it's really mm -hmm. like athletes are celebrating like life as a sport. So that even in and of itself can be looked at as celebratory. And when you're using a brand in those moments, you just become like, that brand almost becomes like happiness to you. So that's right. something that I've really looked at with Fruit Slabs that we really want to be more than just like an edible that sits on the shelf that goes in your purse, that sits in your cabinet. We want to be this edible that like is really something that you can embody with your mind, your body, your spirit. It's something that is more um, intrinsic than just a food product or just a cannabis product. And right. At this point, we've done a really good job with it because I hear stories of people being like, oh my God, I take my fruit slabs everywhere with me. We mm. love eating them at the movies. I love eating them before I go hiking. I never travel without them. Like they are this for me. They are that for me. Um, so it's really cool to kind of see this thought process and this like dream that I had to create a health and wellness cannabis brand come to life and, and yep. have it being used by so many different athletes too and creative artists. And like, it really is an edible that can fit into every, every category. Because like you said, in the introduction, we hit so many levels of dietary restrictions. Right. And a hundred percent. I agree with you. And, you know, in terms of like, you know, people accepting it, cause it seems like a lot of people have supported fruit slabs. 
what has been your journey in making sure that you're providing kind of the right dosing? Because again, you know, we're in the medicine industry, right? Whether it's a consumable edible or, um, you know, you're, you're smoking flour. At the end of the day, the right dosage for sure is um, important to a lot of people. And especially when it comes to edibles, how do you assure that, you know, your edible products are providing a certain dosage? And what is that dosage that you find people um, like uh, within Fruit Slabs? I would say that dosing in the edible space is probably the most hyper-focused in all of the cannabis industry. Um, and that is because edibles work within you differently and they work with every, every body is different. Every body eats different. They take different vitamins. So the edibles and the cannabis and the cannabinoids are going to work with you differently versus mm. like you hit a joint, you instantly feel it. You know, you're, you hit that right. joint within two minutes you're feeling you you're probably going to hit that peak with edibles you might not feel that peak for an hour maybe two hours it just depends on how your body metabolizes the product right so right. dose is something that we have to be so so laser hyper focused on and like i said in the beginning of this um podcast you know when i first started creating edibles 15 years ago dosing was something that was like nobody was having that conversation now oh, it was just like pick up that brownie and have a trip. You know, it's a, you don't know what you're what you're in for at all. But but you know, it is it is a very important part of the market. And just as someone that knows other people that have consumed consumables like newbies that maybe even tried five milligrams, man, it takes them like eight hours to 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 really. I mean, they have a really full on effect with five milligrams. And I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here taking like fifty. You know, right. And, again, it's, and it's, it's hitting different. you so differently. And right, that's, right. So that's why it's like something where now I have to be so laser focused on that side of the conversation. And because mm -hmm. of back 15 years ago, when people maybe first started eating edibles and God bless them if they ate mine, I, maybe it sent them into a really dark space because it was probably over, you know, it, it had too much. I'm not going to say overdose because that sounds really right. weird, but like it had too much cannabis in it. And then now people like that have had that experience are like, oh, I don't need edibles. No, I had a real bad time on that. I can't even step near that. That's like crazy. And it's, right. it's unfortunate because then those people are missing out on the new age of edibles. And that's where Fruit right. Slab really lives. It's like this new age of edibles where not only as the brand owners, we're very concerned with this because we want everyone to be buying our products, obviously, right. and not have this huge chunk of the, I had a bad trip, so I'm never going down there again. But also right. legally, we are now required. We have to have a max, there's a max limit on how much your dose can be. So in California, in the state of California, you are only allowed to put 10 milligrams of THC in one dose, in one, one serving. Dose. Yes. And then in the whole package, you can have 10, 10 milligrams, or you mm. can have 25 milligrams. You can okay. have at the maximum is a hundred milligrams in the whole pouch, but those have to be clearly broken down into 10 milligram bites mm. so that the pay, the, the consumer, I always say patient cause I'm from the old industry, but the consumer right. knows and isn't going to get confused and eat more than they should and have a bad time. So right. ours, when, um, when you buy a 100 milligram pouch of fruit slabs, you get 10, 10 milligram squares. They are very clearly marked out. They are very clearly separated. It's on a sheet of parchment paper. You get two rows of five and okay. it's, you just eat one square. Um, okay. 
Yeah. And it's like, it, it would, if you were to eat two or three and be like, Oh, I didn't know how many I would eat. It would be like eating like two or three Pringles and being like, Oh, I thought that was one. It's like, no, no, they're very clearly marked those little squares. Right. And then we have one flavor. It's the pride passion flavor that is a single serve and it's just one 10 milligram square. Got you. Now, does it hit differently versus your normal edibles with all the sugar and all the other stuff additives versus your food slabs? Does the, does the medicine hit differently? Do you find so your customers? There, I mean, there's nothing that I can say other than anecdotal evidence, right? Because sure. we don't have anything to back up medical or science or how this works. But the common message that we hear, and I mean, I get people slide through the DM all the time on Instagram to be like, why when I eat one square of a 10 milligram fruit slab, does it take me on this like magical journey that like 30 to 50 milligrams of the other competitive edible can't even come close to? Um, and we hear that not only from consumers, but also from bud tenders and people in the industry. And that like the, the latter part for me is really interesting because those are people that are trying different products all the time and or they're creating their own products and so it's like they really have a keen sense of how cannabinoids affect their system being in the right. industry but our we don't know really why that's happening but our hunch is because we're not putting all the sugar into it and really like i always say that we're just letting mother nature do her thing we're putting right. together superfoods, and I really firmly believe that cannabis is a superfood. Um, from the the hemp seed oil to the hemp seeds themselves to the medicinal aspects of of the plant, like it is a superfood. Mango right. is a superfood. Like we're using products and not um, not like adultering them. You know, it's just it's just straight up. We use THC distillate oil because it's really, um, it's flavorless and it's very easy for us to ensure that we're properly, um, dosing on everything. Um, and then it's also just, it, we, we like bounced around from using hash and from using rosin and, and distillate. And we really found that the distillate worked the best for our product. And we found that the consumers liked it the best too, but there's right. some within just like letting mother earth do her thing in something within the fruits that really allow the cannabinoids to activate on a higher level and way mm. more synergistically in your body. Um, and that could be because too fruits and vegetables and plants as we know it have terpenes. Terpenes right. are such a dictating part of the cannabis plant and how that cannabis is actually going to affect you. Terpenes Absolutely. are what create strains, you know? And so it's like, they are the dictators of, of like a Jack Herrera versus a cookies. It's really right. within the terpene content. And of course the THC too, but it's more so the terpenes are dictating where that's going to live. So fruit has natural terpenes in it. Mango is naturally high in myrcene, which is a terpene mm. that has been found to really like elevate the cannabis experience and um, if you kind of like search like myrcene and cannabis or mango and cannabis, you'll find a lot of articles on like Leafly and Weed Maps that talk about if you eat sliced mango when you are consuming cannabis, whether you're smoking it or eating it or dabbing it, that it will elevate and it will make you feel higher. So interesting. 
Wow. Three or four, four of our five flavors are mango based and it's organic non-GMO certified mango. It's not mm. mango flavored sugar or gelatin or pectin or anything like that. It's actual fruit. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So, so tell me like, so this it seems like you put a lot of research and making sure that you deliver an awesome product and awesome experience. How long did it take to, you know, do this kind of research and really get a winning product that you knew that was winning out there? You know, how long was that a uh, process for you? The recipes for the kind of like the primary, like the elementary, the newborn recipe of it was something mm -hmm. that um, my husband kind of came up with. And okay. then we took that and started spinning it and started like redeveloping those and then adding the cannabis into it. So it's kind of been something that we've been developing for more than just the five years that we've been in the actual cannabis space. Okay. Um, but all the research that I was just telling you, that's kind of like learned information that has been happening as we go along. It's almost like mm. we fell into this pot of gold just because we wanted something from a personal level and from a personal need and from our community's need to have a healthier edible product available. Five years Got ago, you. you could not find anything other than Rice Krispie treats, brownies, chocolates, cakes, bonbons. Yep. It was yep. all shit. And like right. for somebody like myself who I'm very like obsessed with what I'm putting into my body, I don't eat candy. I, I actually like hate candy. I am such a candy hater. Like I hate on my husband for eating candy. I hate on my friends for eating candy. So fruit slabs became like, it's almost like this little thing that well, I, I mean, can sugar, eat. I mean, you know, sugar is delicious, but it's so bad for everybody out there. You know I mean? There's documentaries on Netflix about how bad sugar just kills your body, your immune system in today's your market. You need, to, you need to have that up, you know? And so that's a, yeah. that's a huge component. It's, it's just awful. And to me, I don't know if just my body like rejects things that are unhealthy. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's definitely not the truth because I'm addicted to French fries. But like I, I just can't get down with like the sugar laden things like that. So it's almost like Fruit Slabs fills this void of allowing something that is so natural in and of itself to kind of be this hybrid where some people think we're a gummy and we're not right. a gummy. There's nothing within our product that has a component that allow that would even categorically put us next to a gummy, except for the fact that it's just as delicious. It tastes sweet because fruit is nice and sweet because Mother Earth did that for us. Um, but there's no, there's no, there's none of that crap in it. Like our OG mango flavor is two ingredients: it's organic mango uh, puree and right. it's THC. That's it. That's right. all. You're and all the other flavors are five ingredients or less. All of our flavors are a hundred calories or less. So it's really wow. like, yeah, we really, I mean, we, we thought about all of these things when we were putting the product together because we wanted to stand out on the shelves because we wanted to answer this personal calling. And then like, as we just started diving deeper, this kind of cool, like synergistic thing with the cannabinoids and the fruit started to right. become which is really cool. 
I think also to, to dive deeper into this really quick, we have a grape ape flavor. That's probably the coolest one because okay. we found through just our friends and family and people in the industry eating them, people come back and be like, you guys like tripled the dosage of the grape. There's no doubt. And we're like, no, we mm. didn't because we have everything laboratory tested and we can show you the certificates of analysis and right, it's all good. Right. People are like, well, why isn't it affecting me so bad? If you look up the on the National Sleep Foundation, some mm -hmm. food that you can eat to actually help with insomnia, grapes and bananas are in the top five fruits. So this flavor mm. profile is a banana base with Concord grapes mixed into it. Both of those oh, okay. fruits are high in melatonin and bananas are high in L-tryptophan. So this is like when people ask you have an indica leaning edible, we don't say that we have sativa or indica because right. that don't have anything in there that would dictate that. But we let people know if you're looking for something to help you with sleep, the grape ape is going to be your best bet because it is naturally high in melatonin and L-tryptophan. And that is cool as shit. I love I, it, man. I'm learning, I'm learning a lot just, just listening to you about all these things. And I agree with you. I mean, I'm feeling guilty. I have all these sugared gummies in my refrigerator, you know, <laughs> and, and, and you're making me feel guilty. So, you know, what I wanted to tap into um, was really about, you know, a really, uh, when we first chatted, you really tapped into this and you really blew a lot of our minds on our, uh, you know, with our team and, and myself included about distribution in the cannabis industry, right? Yeah. Because as much as it's an amazing product, we got to get in. I know, you know, I commend you for being a woman entrepreneur in the cannabis industry. And I'm pretty sure that is a challenge within itself. But tell us a little bit more about cannabis distribution. How are you getting your products around? How are you finding a distribution? Is it, is it an easy game? I know, and I, and I know no pun intended, because I know it's a super hard game and a shady game. And I want to get into all that. But tell us, like, what has been your experience? So you've got this product. It's, it's beautiful. But now you have to distribute it. What has that experience been in the past uh, year or two that you've had your company? It's been a roller coaster. And I think mm. if you talk to probably 100% of cannabis brand owners, not even 99.9%, .9%, but 100%, they would right. agree with me in that it is the one area of the industry that is just kind of a constant um, source of pain. But gotcha. it's this necessary evil. And in the state of California, we are required legally to work through a third party distributor as like almost a checks and balance system. They sure. ensure that the product has been to the laboratory, it's been tested, it has all the COAs, all of these things. And distribution when it works and when they're doing their job the right way, it's really fucking awesome. Excuse my French, right. but that's where I get like a little bit passionate about because yeah, it get, should get, get. be a partnership in an area of your business that is synergistic and that is a helpful aid. And it should not be something that is such a headache. But unfortunately, um, that's what a lot of the distribution companies have caused. And um, so, for whatever so, so, why, so why is that? Like, tell us how you started in distribution. Was it just picking up phone calls and talking to a lot of people? Or was it like, what part of the process makes it so difficult for someone maybe that might be wanting to get into the industry so that they can understand too from your lens. So I think like the, I'll go back to how we started in it, but I really want to highlight that one of the most difficult parts of it is that for whatever reason in the cannabis industry, this is not in distribution in other areas that I've worked, whether it's Red Bull or the natural food space, this is not typical, but where the distributors are almost like 
the brands are supporting their business. And that's something where like if a distributor is to buy, to place a purchase order, they are to buy that inventory. Naturally, that inventory might have some terms, 30 to 45 day terms. Right. For whatever reason in the cannabis industry, some distributors have decided, well, we're not going to pay you on that inventory. We're only going to pay you on the inventory that we were able to sell. Okay. So, what happens to that extra inventory that they don't sell? Do they return it back or can they? No, then they, they sit on it until the next month and hopefully they can sell it that month. And okay. so it's kind of really like when you're running a business, that becomes very difficult for you to actually have enough operating cash flow to cover your operating expenses while mm. your distributor is utilizing that money to maybe cover theirs. Um, right. Yeah. And so that is one thing like payment terms. It, it comes down to, to getting paid, right? Like if you're working with someone who is supposed to sell your product, you would think that you're going to get paid on time and that you're going to get paid. Another right. hardcore like issue with this, I was going to say virus in this part of the industry is that mm. distribution companies have popped up and gone away like overnight and mm. they sell your product and then they use that to pay their bills. You don't get paid and then they're gone. And that's a huge issue. Uh, it's just something that's like not typical in a well, lot why of not? industries. So let, let, me, let me ask a question. This might, uh, this might be pretty obvious, but do you tend to always give the distributors more inventory that they can handle? Or why not give them a, like a smaller amount and just see how good they can distribute? If they can distribute, I don't know, 100 packs and they could probably distribute 1,000 packs pretty good, right? It all, it all depends upon the speed, right? So you can, you can kind of get a... Uh, an indicator, right? Sure. It depends upon the speed. It depends on what you can also negotiate in the initial contractual period. Um, mm. But logistically, when you kind of like sit down and really think that out, it's easier for a distributor to go pick up a bigger amount of product one time and to right. then try to sell that through their channels rather than, and especially in the state of California where we're literally the entire, like pretty much the entire West coast. It's huge. We're not like Rhode Island where mm -hmm. it might make sense to like do smaller orders and be able to facilitate that throughout the state. Um, logistically that would cause a nightmare, I think. Um, and it's just, it's not how the distribution companies will let you set it up either. So the biggest thing for it, for anybody else listening to this and being like, holy shit, this sounds like a nightmare. My biggest, and I, I've talked about this in prior in interviews too, do your homework. Just do your homework. Reach out to people that are selling through that distributor. Ask them for the list of what is their distribution portfolio look like? What other brands are they selling? Where does your brand fit into that? Is your brand going to get enough attention? Is there another brand already in their portfolio similar to yours where it'll become a difficult sell? And reach out to the brands on their portfolio to do some credit mm. references. Do they pay their bills? Do they have good relationships inside stores? What does that type of business look like? And that's like, that's kind of a typical thing that I think it happens in most other industries, but we do even in our own, like with our own selves, you know, like. Oh, absolutely. You got to do your homework. You got to do yeah, the research because if you don't put in the work, it's not going to work out. Exactly. And so that's, we've, you know, we've gone through the ringer with it. 
Um, we've, we've done a lot of our homework though now. And thankfully I really, I want to put on blast that our distributor is amazing. And we have been working with them for probably the last 15, 16 months and it's shelf life distribution. And the CEO Wes is a gem of a human being. He's really super talented and smart. And, um, they have actually, accomplished the idea of becoming a true partner. Um, and they've done a really good job at getting our, sh- our product into over 75 retailers in California. Um, nice. They maintain a really good presence inside of stores. They help us do marketing activities. They have a great sales team. They're really lovely individuals to work with. They have a great portfolio. Um, and they just do good business. They've just never done us wrong. And so that's a really important part um, is not only do they sell our product really well, but on the back end, they're just really good business people. And so we're really, 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 really lucky to have partnered with them. And they have enabled us to really put our product on blast in California and have right. it available statewide. Gotcha. That's awesome. So shout out to them for doing that. Yeah, and I, and guys, don't, and don't get discouraged if you're, if you're an edible brand or looking to get in there, it's not impossible it is a journey, and, and this industry is the wild, wild west. Wouldn't you agree, Roxanne? You know, you have to do your homework. you gotta, you got to get your references. It's all possible. Um, For because sure. I'm guessing you guys have been self-funded from the beginning. Is that correct? Yes, we have been self-funded. We are still self-funded to this day. We are working on um, potential investment opportunities right now, but um, that's why this distribution piece is so, so important to us because – um, everything we put into this is is our blood, sweat, tears, and, and all of our own personal dollars. We're not riding in some luxury office chairs on somebody else's dime. This is everything yeah. that we put into it. So ensuring that we're getting paid and ensuring that the, the people that we're working with to sell our product are actually selling our product and doing good by our brand, it's so very important. 100%. And so, you know, I, I know I just want to switch gears real quick to ask you, you know, another area, you know, in business and in cannabis business, that's very important. Um, and you coming from the marketing and sales space, what's your opinion and what's your outlook? And what are you guys doing in general for digital marketing? Have you, have you guys been doing anything in those areas of cannabis, your brand? So we really just do things organically. And because I have the background um, in branding and marketing, I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of it myself. That can sometimes become uh, an issue, not because I can't do it myself, but because I'm also the CEO and co-founder and I'm working on a lot of other activities within our business. So um, it's a really important side of of the brand, but it's also something that is interesting when you're only selling into one state. And since we're only carried in the state of California right now, which will change by the end of this year, we only can really market our brand to the state of California because it would be pointless to do digital marketing in New Jersey for a product that they can't get. And so it's something where like Instagram is obviously your best friend. It's free. It's available 24-7 unless they have an issue and they're down and then the world's freaking out because Instagram is down. We know how that goes. But in the, in like the outside realms of like other digital marketing and and like advertorial spaces on other websites, it's been something where we're starting to look at it mainly because we will be launching the brand in Washington later this year. 
and oh, wow. we are also working on launching um, a hemp CBD line that will okay. be available uh, in more, in other states because of the the farm bill in 2018. Because of you know hemp CBD is is more nationally legal and available, um, right. and so at that point, then digital marketing becomes more necessary and becomes something sure. that we really need to be more focused on because that is the primary avenue of marketing these days. Print is dead. Nobody's right. really paying attention to the, the billboards as you're passing by. I think they're a danger to the roads anyway, but like right. digital, everybody's on their phone, everybody's engaged in their computer. And that's where the majority of we like, that's where the majority of our time is being spent. Even like TV ads are dead because everybody uses Netflix. Like my mom the other day just got a smart TV. She's like, how do I get to the news? How do I get to the radio <laughs> stations? I was like, right. I actually have no idea how to answer that question because it's, it's probably best she doesn't get to the regular station. Unplugged I need that, that too. Right. I'm like, yeah. mom, you don't need that. You just need Hulu, Netflix, HBO yep. go. Like you don't need it. Um, but it, it's one of those things like, marketing is always shifting as we are evolving as humans. But right now it's like all of those traditional formats or what was a traditional format 10, 20 years ago is completely shifted. And that's all focused on digital. So as our brand is going to get bigger and as mm -hmm. we um, grow in other spaces and hopefully grow with a potential investor and have more, uh, more flow for that type of a budget, um, you'll mm -hmm. see us grow in digital marketing avenues. Very cool. And what are you doing today to at least keep in touch with the people that are buying your product and finding you and are you collecting their, at least their email or phone number to, to, to facilitate, you know, just communication or, or how are you keeping in touch with your customers at the moment? Um, mainly we're keeping in touch with them. Just, I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of, um, outreach into the media. And so I think that that's always popping up in, in people's faces and then just really utilizing our website and, uh, we have like a news section on our website where we're always reposting um, anything that we're featured in or featured on. And we're going to start posting a lot more informational articles, like talking about all the stuff that I was saying earlier in this discussion about how great the mango and the grapes and the bananas, yeah. kind of diving deeper into that. <clears throat> okay. And really, so providing more content. Yeah, more content. Yeah, and we're going to start putting out uh, a newsletter too later on um, this year when we have a little bit more breathing room. We have been really consumed with ironing out our, um, our partnership in Washington, and we're really excited to get that going. Awesome. That's awesome. So in terms of just overall, you know, your business and your experience in the past year, what has been uh, your biggest challenge that you feel, you know, in your specific role right now. And I know you wear a lot of hats. So what, what, what has been your biggest challenge that you guys are looking to overcome right now? Ooh, biggest challenge. I would say it's always about growth and right. that has a lot of different arms to it. Right. And layers to For that, sure. the onion, but it's about organically growing, not growing too fast, but also not growing too slow in where to really find that sweet spot of growth. Because um, you want to make sure that obviously your product is available to more people and that drives more money. But yeah. as Mickey Diddy said in the 90s, more money, more problems. And that is yeah. so fucking true. Oh my God. Yeah. It's 33 years to really realize the truth behind that statement. But right. it's like 
it, it, you know, growth is so exciting, but it can also be, it can be the death of your business if you don't, if you don't manage it properly. Um, right. And so as a young entrepreneur, I just told on myself, I'm 33. Um, I, and I've, you know, I've spent time in various different industries from Red Bull to the international fashion community. I did private art consulting in New York city. Um, I've, I've been in several different spaces, but I'm still really young and I don't think I'm a know it all. Um, I don't have all the experience as say someone double my age because they've just had double the years here to, to figure that out. So as we're starting to get bigger and bigger, I am starting to look for, to bring in, you know, other people that have other areas of expertise and that have other avenues of experience that I just simply don't have. And I'm really- You're in team growing. You're you're in team growing mode pretty much, right? It's like most entrepreneurs are, are going through. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's really important like to be humble as an entrepreneur and as somebody who is in a leadership role and, and say like, Hey, I don't know everything. Neither does Bill Gates. Neither did Albert Einstein. Like nobody knows everything, you know, and having a really well-developed team around you is, is so very important in the growth of your business. Um, So I would say that's always the biggest challenge is just managing that growth properly, managing it to where it's organic, it's growing, but it's not going to put us six feet under. Right, right. Absolutely. And and do you find right now getting talent being easy or how is that process? Like in finding are people coming from other industries? Are you finding like communities that you're diving into? What's, what does that process look like for you? Yeah. Um, people are, there's a lot of people coming in from other industries and I think it's a really, obviously cannabis is very exciting. And I think for people, um, maybe, you know, our parents age that are getting ready to phase out of their careers, but our old time stoners are really excited by this space and maybe just want to dabble in it before they, they peace out into retirement mode. People coming in from, the, the liquor space, you see people coming in from the natural food industry, from there's a lot of people from real estate and cannabis. So yeah, I, I think finding talent in general is always hard, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're in New York City, Los Angeles, like Oklahoma City, it, it's always an issue of finding that right person to be that right fit. And there's a ton of talented people on this earth. But the right, the, you know, the, the talent might not always be the right culture fit. And that's something that when you're team building, even though somebody might bring all of this knowledge and expertise to the table, if they're not the right personality and you know that they're going to clash with the culture of your team, it's probably not within your best interest of the business because oh. then you have headaches and then you as a manager and business owner become a babysitter because you're managing people's tit for tat arguments. Don't we um, all know that hundred percent, you know, that's, I mean, and, that's, and that's the growth, that's the growing pains of any business. Right. Exactly. And, and the biggest thing, you know, we, one of our arms of our company is we deal with a lot of cannabis entrepreneurs and, you know, again, we do a lot of things on digital. I have a question coming up here that's really interesting. But what I really find is a lot of people understand their vision, but they don't understand how to execute that vision. And a lot of that goes down to operations. And like you said, having the right people in the right role. And that whole procedure is, is a, you know, that's, that's a job in itself and growing and hiring and interviewing. 
uh, the right people because you have obviously want people that you know share your value at Fruit Labs, you know, and that's hard right. to find those people that share that value system. So I think that's important, but um, but it, and, and it's a challenge. And I think that we're all we all are growing as entrepreneurs, and that's that's awesome that that's where you are and that's where uh, Fruit Labs is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. So to our questions, you know, we obviously believe very much in getting your data today and data is so important. It's actually, you know, we were reading an article, it's actually valued more than oil, right? A couple of years ago, there was an article wow. in the Economist. And, you know, getting in touch with, at the end of the day, to keep it real simple and real, uh, you know, communicating with your new patients and people that you're going to deliver your medicine and your brand to, and also re-communicating with the people that have already bought, you know, with your brand is we spend a lot of time in that area and there's a lot of solutions, but you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to being able to, if you're even self-funded, having a budget for these kind of things, right? So if you had an extra $5,000 in, let's just say marketing budget, what would you do with it today and how would you spend it? I would definitely do some sales supported marketing, whether that would be within the digital space of, um, like uh, advertising on the TVs inside of dispensaries or whether that would be some type of maybe like sales incentive with certain shops to like increase our sales footprint with like, you know, running a bud tender um, sales incentive program or doing something to where it would enable the bud tenders to become like more quote unquote, lack of better words, like hooked up on our product where maybe they receive more samples or everybody's receiving a hat or a t-shirt. Like brand ambassadors, brand bud tenders become brand ambassadors. I got you. Yeah. Like conversation starters for the bud tenders so that when they are behind the the shelf and they see someone wearing like a fruit slabs hat, that's really cool. They're like, Oh, what's that? And then it's like, Oh, have you never heard of fruit slabs? Here you go. So something within the realm of, of sales supported marketing, because Again, really right now, the only place you can buy our product is in California dispensaries. So it would need to be very focused on that. Got you. Got you. Okay. That's a great answer. And where are you predominantly available in California dispensaries? Is there any specific iconic dispensaries out there that you want to give a shout out to or where can people find you? Sure. We have a really big footprint in Southern California, and that's because um, we kind of birthed the brand in Southern California and then trucked production up to NorCal a few years after the initial launch. Um, But I've always been here down in SoCal and handled a lot of our sales and marketing. So um, we we have a huge concentration of shops in the Long Beach, Orange County area. Um, we also have some really great shops down in San Diego, mankind dispensary, SDRC, um, in the orange County area, you can find us at Tropicana at from the earth at OC three, bud and bloom, um, long beach. You can find us at the lift, um, at the circle. There's a ton of other dispensaries and we're just starting to really expand our footprint in the Bay area and the NorCal region. Um, last year we hit a snafu with one of those lovely distributor stories I was alluding to. (laughs) Um, and it was with a NorCal distributor. So we're getting our, we're getting the product back up there. You can find us at the Barbary coast shops up in the Bay area. You can find us at Nug San Leandro, 
Um, we're at seven stars in Richmond up in the Bay area. Yeah. And if also to find more of our full, um, shop list, you can jump on the website and we have a shop locator where you can like type in your zip code and I'll bring up all the shops in your area, or you can scroll through the map and see where we are located at. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, in terms of uh, you know, I, I wish, I think you probably would agree with me. There should be some kind of a blacklist for some of these distributors out there because that probably would be super uh, time-saving and, uh, you know, saving yeah. for a lot of distributors, a lot of brands out there. Excuse yeah. Me. It, well, I mean, you said it's still the wild, wild west. So there are some brands out it there is. that have no shame in their game and will blast those individuals. Right. I, it's not within my training to do as such. Um, right. right. But, you know, it, I'm, people will come through and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about working with this person. I see you've worked with them in the past. Can you give me some reference? And I'm always down to do that. So if anybody is listening and um, sees that maybe we had worked with someone in the past and wants a, a reference, reach out. Awesome. And how, and how can they do that, uh, Roxanne? How do they uh, get in contact with you? I know you said you have Instagram. Uh, you know, just do your, do your uh, you know, plugs. Yeah, I know the best way to reach out to us, honestly, is through the website. We have a contact form that will go directly into um, a shared email box that the co-founders have their eyes on as well as um, our assistant C. Um, so, or you can email us directly at info at fruitslabs.com. Um, the website is www.fruitslabs.com. Our Instagram is at fruitslabs, same with fruit, um, Facebook and Twitter. We're most okay. active on Instagram. Um, and I'm constantly checking the, the inbox there too. So if any questions come through, um, we're, we're available there. Okay. And if, and if you guys are a bud tender out there and you're listening to this and you want to really stand behind this brand and get involved, definitely, you know, reach out to Roxanne and we'll obviously have all your information in the show notes, Roxanne. Uh, Great. and so people could find you, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out today and really showing us what's going on with Fruit Slabs and what's going on in, in the distribution industry. Uh, I'll just end by just asking you, you know, what, what is kind of one philosophy or quote you live by as you kind of move through this industry? One philosophy or quote that I live by as I move through this industry, not all that glitters is gold. Mm. Not all that do. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of cool things that are happening in this industry. So many cool things. But there's a lot of people that'll roll through and say that they've got the coolest thing happening. They got the shiniest thing. They got the best thing. And then it doesn't amount to anything. Right, right. Definitely get your bullshit glasses on is pretty much what you're saying. Be careful. And, yeah, and, yeah. And the world, it, it's, it can seem very rosy and it is right. very rosy at certain times, but there's a lot of dogs out there. There's a lot of wolves in sheep clothing. And because it's like this new green rush, you know, um, there's just a lot of people that are coming in with that are just wolves in, in sheep's clothing. So, um, yeah, just it's not all tragic. It's a lot of fun. I feel like maybe if someone's listening as like a new entrepreneur in the space, they're going to be like, Oh my God, this is terrifying, but it's really not. It's just a a real, it, it, this is me being very, very real and, and letting people know, like it's a great space to be a part of, but just know that there's, there's a lot of fuckery still involved in this industry because it's still new. Yep. No, hundred percent. And you know, for those of you out there that are looking to get into a different industry because you might have 
uh, lost your job during the past couple of months. And there's a lot of people out there. I, I you know, definitely, what would you recommend as the first place for those people to research a little bit more about what, you know, you know how to really navigate through the industry? Is there any other resources that you feel might be helpful? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, going back to kind of earlier on the conversation too about like brand loyalists, like if you love a brand because it has changed your life in the cannabis space or you just love it because they grow the best weed, reach out to that brand. Be direct because there's so many of the brand owners are people like myself, people that are um, young entrepreneurs that are just living out their dream for this plant and that have, you know, a really soul, like deep soul and a very heart connecting um, to the plant and that are going to look at that and be like, wow, my product changed this person's life. They're probably going to become the best salesperson ever. Um, right. Reach out directly to them. There's also some really good, uh, like kind of job searching platforms that are coming out. I think one of my favorite ones is um, Force Brands, F-O-R-C-E, Force, like the force, may the force be with you. Um, okay. Force Brands is, is they've been, they've spent a lot of time in the beverage industry. So I know of them from my Red Bull days. They also do like cosmetic uh, postings too, but they recently in the last year started taking on like cannabis hiring um, stuff. So like if you're a brand that's looking for an employee, you can put a job posting up on Force Brands and vice versa. Okay. If you're looking for a job in the space, I think that they um, over like indeed or monster.com where it's a lot of riffraff. I think force brands does a really good job at actually, um, tailoring and highlighting real positions that people can reach out to. And the, the cannabis space is always growing and it's going to continue to grow as we legally knock down the laws in other States and hopefully one day allow for, um, interstate commerce to happen and global commerce to happen. There's going to be more and more jobs being created, which I think is a really, really cool part, especially focused on where we're at right now with you know, being in like one of the greatest unemployment rates of our generation of our time, um, looking at an industry that can provide so much growth can be really exciting. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, the way you got to look at unemployment is, you know, there's industries that are losing, of course, and there's industries that are winning, right? So you got to look at it as this is just a job shift, right? Yep. The career yeah. shift and the industry, I would say there's, a, first of all, there's a lot of nice people, you know, I guess it's just because of the medicine makes you nice, right? That are just absolutely out there to, you know, talk to you, reach out to them. And we do that all the time, but really, you know, a lot of your skill sets and other industries could be very much applicable to, uh, you know, a lot of brand owners, business owners, cause they're not really business people. They're just entrepreneurs, as you said, living out their dream, right? I think it definitely sure. utilize, you know, your help out there. So, you know, definitely get involved, uh, and check out Forest Brands. We'll obviously also put the link up of that. Um, and Roxanne, you know, it was absolutely an honor, you know, to, to, to really dive in and, and we will, uh, definitely have you back on the kind of public podcast later on. Um, and thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate your guys time too. And having such a, um, in-depth and comprehensive interview with me, um, and be in touch. I, I'd love to continue the conversation as our brand grows and as yours as well. 100%. And I'm going to have to pick up a package of fruit slabs and I'll let you know how it is for sure. Yes, please do. And keep an eye out for our CBD line. It'll be on the website um, probably within the next month or two. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some value in it. 
If you guys liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe and give us a review so other amazing entrepreneurs can discover the industry and get value just like yourself. We are always looking for anyone working and providing value in the cannabis space. So if you feel you have a brand and a story to tell on the Cannabis Playbook, reach out to us at incubator, that's I-N-C-U-B-A-T-O-R at cannaplaybook.com and someone from our team will reach out. Once again, we appreciate you all and keep living, keep growing, and keep taking action. Thank you.